You're listening to the Pitch Deck Podcast. All right, welcome to the Pitch Deck Podcast, episode 23. Uh, yet another week where very little has happened as we anticipate the LLing of Prism as well as the Pro Tour LILL. Just a lot of LLs happening. I um, like turning 23. Very little happening. Not exciting. Yeah. Uh, this week, Matt's computer exploded, so he is tunneling in from the crater it left behind. Matt, how are you doing? I'm recording in from the uh, tunnel. Hello. <laughs> Phenomenal. Um, yeah, I'm here. Audio is not the greatest, but it'll have to do. It will, and we will be fine. Um, so, let's start with, um, I, you know, Matt, we, we, we haven't done a little judge ruling in a while, but you, uh, you had one for me in the pre-show. Uh, you said oh, you had well, a I just wanted to ask you, I just out of my own curiosity, because, you know, I'm May am a Runeblade player, right? So I'm just curious, because I'm going to calling uh, next uh, month, so I want to be ready, and I want to know what deck I'm going to bring. So I'm just curious, i got to ask you a question. Uh, is it legal for me to use Young Heroes and CC? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, am I allowed to... Well, my, my next question is, is Seeds of Agony legal in CC? Yes. After the Shane uh, Living Legend. Okay, cool. Uh, that is, of course, uh, Shane, uh, whatever his uh, surname is, the adult. And uh, my net third question is, uh, is it legal for me to play a young uh, Shane deck with a uh, place of the Seeds of Agony? Yes. Yes, it is. Cool. Um, I don't think it ends up going well, but it is legal. No. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I've heard about this, and it sounds... Too good to be true, and it, I, it actually wasn't, and it actually is true. So, yeah, it's pretty weird. Um, nothing like dying on turn one to Fi. Uh, I yeah, think you know. Yeah, I don't know. Aggro heavy meta, I think, scares out a lot of these young heroes that have LL'd. So, who's to say? Someone's uh, gonna try to live the dream, though, playing Seeds of Agony again. But <laughs> Absolutely, they probably will make day two. <laughs> yeah, they probably will. Uh, there's, a, you know, I think a couple people actually played Kasai at like the last Pro Tour, which blew my mind. Like, can you imagine getting like a Pro Tour invite and being like, "I'm gonna try a Young Hero"? That's super weird to me. Um, tour, huh? So I, I mean, yeah, it could have been the, call. the calling associated with the Pro Tour. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, yeah. So, let's get to the biggest news from LSS this week. Um, in any other week, a footnote. But in this week, it is the headline. The September Armory Kit has been revealed. Uh, Matt, have you Pretty taken chilly. a look at it? Very chilly. Very chilly, indeed. Um, I took a look at this. I'm actually 
For the first two, I wasn't all that stoked on the promo cards. Uh, promo Ice Eternals is really cool. Um, I think it's that's pretty playable. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's very playable. Waning Moon is like, I mean, obviously Cold Foil Waning Moon is very cool. Um, but the uh, Ice Eternal playmat is dope as well. I, this is a very, yeah. I think this could be the best of the three uh, that we've gotten. Uh, just in terms of overall like like every single piece of this is desirable. It's very cool. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's they did the uprising flame out again, of course. So, I don't know if this is going to be a future pattern though of like including a one-off flame that's always going to be different and then one that's always going to be the same in the uh line of armory kits from like a set. Yeah. Um I do think it's interesting. I'm sure this is just a uh I'm sure this is just like a a little missed detail and not like anything to really speculate on, but I'm still going to do it anyway. I noticed that the Icelander playmat does not have the uprising tag attached to it. Oh, did the other ones have it? I don't know. That's why it's, <laughs> that's why this tinfoil hat. I think, I think the other ones may not have actually had it to be honest. This could just that's be baseless speculation. I'm going to, we're going to go back in time. We're going towards the end. Oh my gosh. How far do I have to go back to find the armory kit for July? Oh my gosh. Uh, here it is. Uh, so we're going to click on this. And yes, the other two did have the uprising logo attached to them. That is interesting. There's probably not much to... Uh, Probably not much to speculate on, though. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I will say uh, that was not all we had for uh, bizarre flesh and blood related news um, this week before we get into the flesh and blood adjacent news. Uh, but I am still highly suspect about this, but Azalea got uh, some living legend points at a skirmish, supposedly. Um, cannot deny the truth. Can't deny the truth, even though there were no pictures of it. Uh, so, I don't know. That's I think that's actually kind of cool. Uh, Blitz is all over the place as a format, which I, I both love and hate. Um, it's interesting to me that all sorts of decks can just show up and win in Blitz right now. I, I think Icelander is actually keeping a lot of decks out of the format, which is a good thing. I, uh, I'll get into this a little bit later um, in terms of health and the amount of decks that are, you're allowed to play in a format and how that works. Uh, but I, it's, it's interesting to me to see like uh, decks like Ira and Oldham have recently placed in Blitz. Uh, somebody won a skirmish on Shiana recently. Um, really? That's sick. And it's weird, right? Like, I, anybody can just show up uh, with what seems like any deck. Um, and I know you'll love this. The Shiana deck was running Arc Knight Shard, just in case you were wondering. Yeah, go. Uh, and it's weird because I, actually i kind of all right so all right give me a second here i need to i clicked on the shiana list in the background i wasn't gonna get into it but now i kind of have to so previously i had seen shiana lists where the way you played them was you essentially ran a combo of all the different rune blade specializations and you got those to play off each other so you ended up drawing a whole bunch of cards um 
this Shyanalyst is fascinating. It, uh... It runs a lot of really heavy hitters. Um, you're running a race face, crippling crush, command and conquer, uh, alpha rampage, a sand sketch plan at that. Um, which is that sand sketch plan will work. That's funny. I like it. Yeah, it's you're running Teclo core as well. Um, I don't. Uh, you're also running Showtime. It seems like Crippling Crush is a big part of your game plan because you're running the full rainbow of pummels. And then I was the thing that really gets me about this deck list. Lesson in Lava. Um, Just, you know, good old arcane damage. <laughs> you know, there's no weird. wizard cards in the deck other than Lesson in Lava. What you could do though, if you're, if you're playing against the Kano, I guess is. Uh, you can grab use less than the lava to grab less than the lava. Yeah, that that is true. I think that's exactly what you do. Is you use less than in lava to grab less than in lava. Um. But why would you grab less than in lava? Deal more damage. Just damage. But you put it on top of your deck, and there's not really a lot of ways to like. Shiana copying the ability of the hero. Yeah, I guess. She takes hmm. the, she takes Kano's ability to uh play off the top of the deck. So you just play uh you just play off the top, pitching a blue. Yeah, that's true. I do really like um I do I absolutely love Sand Sketch Plan in this deck, because Sand Sketch Plan does not even like specify a uh a like getting a brute card. You can just grab whatever you want. So essentially this deck has Sand Sketch Plan and Showtime as Crippling Crush, uh, <laughs> Crippling Crush targets. And then on top of that, you're running uh, two E-Pots. You're running, uh, I mean, you're running Teclo Core. It's really weird. This deck is like Turbo Crippling Crush. I mean, Crippling Crush is a really good card. <laughs> and it's yeah. funny that Arcane Chart will just randomly generate some arcane damage throughout the game, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're also running Cadaverous Contraband. You're running Pursuit of Knowledge. Um, so you could play those, uh, those recycle the non, the, uh, non-attacks and play them again. Yeah, I think you're just cadaverous. trying to get out, um, trying to get out Alpha Rampage as high as possible. Like, it seems like Enlightened Strike's only in this list, uh, to filter through your deck. Weird. Go wide, um, too. Helps. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, Soul Reaping is very interesting to me as well in this deck. It just seems to be like a quick go for it attack. Like, there's, there is not a single card with Go Again in this entire deck aside from, uh, aside from Enlightened Strike. There is, um, well, uh, no. Soul Reaping can get Go Again as long as it's attacking a uh, Prism or a Bolton with cards in their soul. Yeah, that's true. It's probably not going to happen, though. Um, I really like that this deck runs Rifting. <laughs> uh, the deck running Rifting is really great. Um, yeah, it's a good way to cast your Lesson in Lava and your pots, Energy Pots. Or and like, your Tech uh, Force. Or Showtime. Or Sasuke's Plan. Yeah. Or Tome Final. Yeah, there's quite I mean, a few options. Yeah, the, uh, the this deck actually rules. I might put this together minus the Arknight shard um, because I, I don't have one. To see you put this together. Yeah, I mean, you just throw in another uh, soul reaping or another uh, 
I don't know, tome or find all or something. Yeah, like another, is that all you got? Or another tome, I think those make the most sense. Uh, I believe Soul Reaping is limited to one regardless. It's one of those cards. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. That's why it's a one of. Uh, this deck's cool, though. Um, the gear is very straightforward as well. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I uh, maybe I put this together. Um, weird. But does this have maybe, results attached? Maybe, maybe uh, I put together that new Azalea Skirmish deck. Wait a second. This place it won a skirmish and it only played four it only played four rounds. The uh Shiana or, or the Azalea? The Shiana deck. It beat Valda. It beat and then lost to two Oldhams and then beat a uh and then beat another Oldham. What? Uh, I mean I guess you go two two and somehow get first. That works, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put that together, though. <laughs> that looks fun. I've always wanted to have a Shyana deck. It just seems like a goofy thing to have. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry. That was a serious, uh, a serious diversion to my overall point, which is um, you can show up with whatever deck you want in Blitz right now. There there are no rules. Um, yeah, everyone's winning. Even Azalea's winning. Come on. Literally, I th it's winning. Levia's winning. Valda's winning. Um, nobody's winning. Yeah, not winning. Guinness is not winning. Sorry, and also uh, the other guy. Um, yeah, the other, the the other less important. <laughs> what whatever his name is, Cavdane. Yeah, Cavdane. He's not winning either. Sorry, Merchant Mains. You're gonna have to be on hold for a little while till PVE comes out or uh, Rudy releases some merchant gear. Yeah, I mean, people are even winning with the other Dory. It's pretty crazy. Uh, so Blitz, he can show up with whatever, and uh, it'll probably happen. Um, which leads me to uh, my next point is that uh, the meta is extremely healthy for classic constructed right now. Now, we have looked at the battle hardened for Singapore. Um, this, uh, the list, like the amount of decks and the diversity of decks that have topped callings and battle hardens recently are all over the place. Almost every single hero has been represented in the top eight of one of these events. Uh, and it is very weird to me. I mean, obviously, I mean, Azalea hasn't been there. Uh, that's a big, I mean, obviously that's not going to happen. Um, Levia, I believe, has not been in these top eights, but one in RTN. Um, thanks to Ethan Van Sant continuing to jam away games. Katsu top aided the battle hardened in Singapore last week. Um, the meta, you can show up with almost any deck in CC right now. And I think that's a problem. Um, what I am seeing, CC or are you saying CC is more flexible? So this is, yeah, with CC, you can show up with almost any deck right now. Um, and I think that's a problem. So something I've noticed and th this is going to get into my point in a couple discussions I've had this week uh, with some people. But I have noticed a lot of people at my local armories are burnt out and not showing up. And I think um, I think that's directly uh, proportional to how healthy the meta is. I think in a what we're looking at now appears to be a 12 deck format almost. And 
that's just too much preparation. You need to have too many game plans, too many reps with your hero against too many things, and suddenly every single match becomes stressful as opposed to a more limited meta where there's four or five decks that could show up any given week. That's much easier to prepare for, much easier to wrap your head around. And um, I think a healthy meta is kind of not great for the player base, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. So. You see, this is sort of like a dual-pronged problem in which, like, so the idea that all the heroes stand a chance in the meta, you know, like, I guess if we compare it to Magic, right, like, in Magic, uh, if multiple decks, like, let's, let's just say, like, you know, there are, uh, there are, like, ten strategies that are, like, in the meta and viable to win, right? Your sideboard slots are limited, and they are quite literally limited in Magic to 15. You know, in Fab, there's some flexibility, like flex slots and stuff, but it's generally 15 also. Um, so you can't you can't hold up all of your uh, sideboard space for dealing with all of those problems, but. In Magic, what a lot of people do is they try to diversify and um, trim their their tech, you know? So, like, they'll be like, I've got a, uh, a one-of of this to deal with this. I've got a two-of of this. And then a playset of this ley line to make sure I... The, the one matchup I really need to deal with is the graveyard deck, combo deck. I, I run a whole playset of those ley lines to make sure I hit them early in the game on my yeah. opening hand, right? Um... But in Fab, I think what a lot of people have been doing is uh, re relying on playsets, full full playsets of uh, sideboard tech, and that might just be what we were talking about last week as well with that Viscerai deck, the one that was running more of like a toolbox uh, sort of setup. And I think that's going to be the future that sort of like solves this sideboarding dilemma of having too many uh, options or too many. Uh, Rather than options, but um, you know, too many things you need to prepare for in CC is to prepare for them all and just cut your, uh, just you know, uh, spread yourself thin. Because the thing is, like, if we make it a format in which you know there's only four real viable heroes, we're we're essentially leaving all these other heroes that you know have interesting gameplay and sort of like uh, counters to like niche counters to some of the uh, top decks in the dust, you know, and they're not really getting any attention or play. And the people who really enjoy playing those decks end up being a little disincentivized to play. But I do understand the uh, dilution of the format where, like, everything's viable. Right? Yeah. And I also think that a big part of why some local scenes have fewer attendance is just because of the the setting of the current meta, like the heroes that are at the top right now, you know, the ones that are a bit more expensive to put together and some of the ones that are just, just honestly frustrating to play against. Right. You know, you have uh rune blades, which actually right now is probably the most expensive deck to put together, uh, including like the, not including this, the, uh, the 60 card deck, not just the equipment. Because yeah. it has this one has quite a few uh, playsets of uh, like thirty five dollar plus playsets of uh, of mythics, majestics, and yeah. if you look at like Lexi, who has expensive equipment, 
all the cards in the deck are pretty cheap. And you oh, look at yeah. Phi, who is a really cheap deck, but Phi is like kind of really toxic in the more format. And it's just not really fun to play against, generally. So, like, local scenes, just not a lot of people showing up. Yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I do think, um, I think having to be over-prepared for decks, like, having to know how to deal with every single deck is, um, I don't know. I, I think that is a inherently negative experience for a lot of people. Yeah. It's so much to wrap well, your head around. I also think... Yeah, I also think, though, that people need to take their, what's the word, they need to take their, their bruises, you know, like, their, like, the way that Bravo would play into Prism, you know, like, you can't prepare for everything, and then the matchups that are just absolutely horrendous, you just take those, you know what I mean? Like, you can't be ready for your worst matchups all the time. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know if I'm, I'm like, my, my point's getting across. The, um... It's interesting, right? So, okay, so here, so check this out. Uh, just for comparison. Um, so I play a lot of modern magic. That is probably the only thing that I play anywhere near as much as Flesh and Blood. Um, I, like, I have an EDH deck. I'm not really that big of a commander player. When it comes to magic, I'm a modern player through and through. Um, currently, uh, and I mean, currently in modern, there's probably... I would go as far as to say 30 viable decks. Um, but 51% of the metagame is taken up by only five of those. Uh, and I think the modern metagame right now is very easy to wrap your head around. It's like, okay, I'm going to see these five decks. And then if I see a rogue deck, it's inherently going to be much less powerful than any of the other ones. Um, and so, like, obviously I need to think on my feet to deal with that. but it's not in the same way where I think um, I, there are so many decks that could theoretically be tier one in flesh and blood right now that uh, you need to play your absolute best and mistake free against the deck you might not have seen in three months. And I think that in the metagame right now is really throwing people off that it just, uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of luck involved in your matchups and what you end up with. It's, it's, it's an interesting place, but I, I don't know. I think personally, the the metagame might be too healthy and I know not everyone agrees with me. A lot of people love a healthy metagame. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like, I understand. I don't know. I understand the viewpoint of wanting fewer things to prep for, but I just think that, I think that overall having a healthy meta is going to be better in the long term. And that the players are going to need to adjust to that. Because if we want the game to last, and if we want the players to remain interested in playing the game, we got to let them be able to play what they want to play. The heroes that they love. So, you know, if, if, if this riot was like a shit to hero, like he wasn't as good as he actually is, because he's actually insane. But if he wasn't as good as he actually is, like I would probably still be playing him you know, and probably begrudgingly because it wouldn't be that good. Like, if he was as bad as Azalea. And actually, you know what? I, I still enjoy Azalea. And as a matter of fact, I've kind of been teching her lately to try to bring her to an armory soon. Um, and I don't expect to do, like, great, but it, she's a lot of fun to play. You know, same yeah. thing with Livia. She's not, like, top tier, but I really enjoy playing her. I threw together a deck, went 0-3 in the, ar well, the one armory I played her at, but it was a lot of fun to play. You know? Um, 
But I, yeah, I think that generally speaking, generally speaking, uh, allowing players to play the heroes they like is a good thing. And as far as competitive competitiveness and the environment of you know testing for uh, professional tournaments and stuff, I think people just need to start improvising. That's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean that uh, that also makes sense. So and actually t- taking every matchup seriously and testing for everything instead of saying. Oh, I don't need to test against Bolton. I'm not going to see Bolton. Or I don't need to test against Levy. I won't see Levy. You know, like that. That's just been the mindset for the last couple of years. It's like, don't take the bad deck seriously. Don't have to practice against them. They're bad. And then only sideboard for the matchups you expect to see more than fifty percent of the time. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think what ends up happening is you just you have to commit so much brain power to that that things get spread thin, and then it's just exhausting at that point. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying you need to memorize your Bolton matchup, but you know, yeah, it's it's true. good to have that though that rep under your belt. You know, it's it's good to understand the deck's objective, and you know, not just that. This is what it does. Simply put, yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I'm curious to see. If in the coming months, the metagame starts to solidify, because right now it is anything but that. Uh, and it's uh, we're in an interesting place, I think. I agree. So. Uh, we'll get to another piece of big news that happened this week. And I know when. The news story that happened before this occurred i was not concerned that has changed oh yeah this week Mm -hmm. ebay bought tcg player um they have made a lot of promises but we all know where that's going um this is kind of concerning to me as now we are at a point where the only competitors to tcg player are now uh card market which uh, does not ship to the United States, so I don't consider them a competitor. And then um, Card Kingdom, which is extremely regional. Uh, they are essentially a Northwest reseller. Uh, and in a lot of times, they're, they don't have the same... What's the word I'm looking for? They, they don't have the same competition within sellers within Card Kingdom. And... Right. Uh, and yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm just agreeing. Like, just... Tacking on to what you're saying, you know, and also just saying, like, Card Kingdoms serves, like, a very uh, niche-like purpose of, like, yeah, sure, their, their singles are more expensive, but their uh, their shipping and their their costs are very slimmed down. There's no, like, you know, consolidating your cart issues. It's it's very streamlined purchasing, but it's not as cheap as buying on TCG Player, but that's, that's all I'll say, you know. Yeah, because you, you are buying from Card Kingdom. Like, they do yeah. have, like, sellers and stuff, but it's not, it's not the same. And in a world where, like, TCG player is, like, Coke and eBay is Pepsi, like, Card Kingdom's Fago. Like, you might not have heard of them. They're mostly regional and they're weird. Uh, yeah. And so we are now entering a phase where... Uh, so, okay, so I, uh, like, I'm an audio engineer. I'm a musician. There is a website called Reverb.com. Reverb is basically TCG player for musical instruments and audio equipment. Um, 
eBay is their biggest competitor. And so what happens is back and forth, eBay and Reverb change the percentage they sell for certain types of like the uh, percentage they take for certain types of gear and equipment. That's incredibly healthy. At one point, eBay was down to something like 3% of musical instrument purchases just to regain a foothold over Reverb. And um, TCG Player and eBay having that uh, or not having that because now they're the same company, I think is not going to be great in the long term. Um, And I think everybody agrees with me here. And especially last time, the point I made was that uh, Channel Fireball and TCG Player coming together was not a problem because of eBay. And yeah. now here we are. And, and Channel Fireball tried to do, well, I, wanted, I don't know if I, the word I want to use is tried, but Channel Fireball opened up an avenue for third-party sellers to sell directly through Channel Fireball, right? Like a TCG yeah. player open market. However, the problem came, where, came about where Channel Fireball is selling their own products at an even better price than most market sellers. And essentially, was they were stiffing their own customers. Um, so, but them combining together wasn't a problem, like you said. And they still had other competitors. But now it's just like, oh, there's no competition. I mean, like you said, they, they're just going to change their prices to whatever they want. Their their percentages they cut from stores, you know. And not not to mention that they're going to start, you know consolidating both sites into some degree they're going to start you know uh integrating the two uh sites together in some way some fashion yeah um you're 100 percent correct and what's weird on top of this is that uh who's gonna run the callings (laughs) like is ebay gonna run a calling now like is that a thing I think, see, so like, as far as I've heard, and I am the least uh, reliable source on this information, but as far as I understand it, is that they are going to still be allowed to operate independently, but all of the like background stuff is going to be consolidated, like customer support, all of the employment, and all of that stuff is still going to be like all under one umbrella company, eBay or whatever that is, you know, that entity is, but they're still going to operate separately. So like channel fireball powered by TCG player might be like the host of the next calling, you know, or worlds or something, but eBay won't be like officially like on that label, you know, like on the advertisement. It's a, it's interesting. I, so I, do you know how much eBay paid for TCG player? It just I'm just curious if you if you know and if not do, would you like to ballpark it? I have the actual number. Um I only guess 20 billion. That would be crazy. Um no, they uh I mean it's not that crazy, but they they did spend 300 million dollars to acquire TCG Player, okay. which is a very I, small I, company I, in Syracuse. I know I heard the name, but I was wasn't I heard a new I know I heard the number, I just didn't know what it was. I forgot. You jotted jog my memory. Um cuz I was watching a few videos on this discussion for this particular topic, but I forgot some of the details, but yes. Wow, that is still a lot of money. 
Yeah. And I'm sure a TCG player is feeling pretty good about that. Uh, they have to be. And it's very interesting to me that so far, eBay claims to report that just in this fiscal year, they have sold $2 billion worth of trading cards, meaning that they, uh, I believe eBay takes around 15%. Um, so they have essentially funded this purchase with about eight months worth of trading cards. Uh, they've been able to consolidate the entire market. That is crazy to me. I mean, they had the huge boom with uh, 2020 and 2021, the trading card boom. So, I mean, yeah, they were raking it in for so long. I mean, they, they, had this, they saw the largest profit margins and everything, you know, reports and shit since, since of all time for them, since the inception of TCG Player. Yeah. They're making more money than ever. Their top yeah. line kept going up. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to me. I'm very curious to see what is going on. Um, there are a, there are a couple, I, I mean, like, it's interesting. I have seen a couple op-eds um, by corporate attorneys, uh, which is interesting at this point to talk about it being a uh, antitrust issue. Um, but they... Uh, they haven't necessarily cited like I like there's an antitrust law firm named Cooley and they actually published an article about this where they actually were brought on board by TCG player to make sure it wasn't an antitrust issue, which is like, oh, okay, that doesn't make me feel any better. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's like, Don't worry. Trust us. It won't be an issue. Yeah, actually, both sides, I believe. Um, I believe eBay brought in Freshfield's Bruckhouse uh, as their antitrust lawyers. And they uh, it's very interesting here, uh, everything being hammered out. So it's I'm kind of curious uh, what their claim is and when what actually happens. Uh, it is very difficult. And as contrary to what you what most people would believe, it is very difficult to actually uh, get a monopoly. Uh, in the modern day United States, it is one of the very few things that is like uh, still very sacred and difficult to do. And um, I, it, this is actually very fascinating to me. So I expect that this is not the end. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I just hope it doesn't affect like, I don't know, I just hope it doesn't affect trading card, you know, market too much. But yeah. I know it probably will. The uh, I mean, I hope not. If it does, it won't be for a few years. Uh, it's really bizarre. Um, I you know I don't know. It's uh it's difficult for me to uh, wrap my head around uh, entirely. So all that said. Uh, with some possible destability in the market, if they do increase prices, you will see the theoretical value of your cards go up, right? Uh, if you're taking a higher seller fee, cards will sell for higher on TCG Player as sellers attempt to recoup that, um, which in turn will make your cash deals with trading cards more lucrative. So it's not entirely terrible. It's just mostly terrible. Um, but speaking of the market, Man, the market, I have some market update. updates. Let's yeah. go. 
Yeah. Uh, let me bring up Google Docs because I lost my window, which has been happening a lot lately. Um, What's the price index at? What is the price index at? So this is very interesting to me. Uh, it has it. Uh, we've seen it, it seems to kind of stabilize. And I do think this is um, I do think this is like I theorized last week uh, reaction to skirmish season being over. Um, we have actually seen the fabled index go up uh, this week by and it's twenty four dollars. It's pretty insignificant. Um, there are some significant price differences within the overall index. The legendary index we have seen go down by a little more than $70, which is mostly insignificant. And then the overall index has gone down by 50 bucks. So prices are roughly the same. However, we've seen some odd movement within cards. Um, so a couple cards that I want to bring to attention. First, we'll start with the fables and what's going on there. Um, Almost every fable has stayed within $10 of its current price. This is usually insignificant, but it becomes significant when we talk about the blood of the Drakai, which is down to $70 this week. Um, my God, is that cheap? This is just $10 more than a carrion husk. You can pick this up for it's uh, we are looking at the distinct possibility of being three days, maybe four days away from having a new draconic hero announced, uh, which will cause this to spike. Um, if you have $70 sitting around, uh, I think this is a, this is a no brainer. Mm -hmm. Um, so that looks good to me. We've seen that fall. The other weird movement we've seen is Corsham was down to around a hundred dollars last week. It has gone back up to 130. And that's um, the rainbow foil. That is the rainbow foil. Um, so I don't know what is causing Corsham to bounce around like this. Uh, but it's 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 in a weird place. Like I think fundamentally, Corsham is not a good card. I think it is very difficult to use. Um, I know there are some edge cases, and I know you've played around with it. What what are your thoughts on that? You know, I haven't really played around too seriously with it, like in paper. But like I've done a little theory crafting and like deck testing online, solitaring and stuff. I mean, it's it's a great card it's got go again non-attack action and briar that stuff you love it just doesn't pitch it doesn't block you know you've got got to not really worry about blocking if you're going to run it and uh i think it's really good if you can resolve it keep it up and then take a turn right like a setup you know yeah it's a very good setup part so once you have like a five part hand with briar and you actually still have course out you could do quite a few crazy things, especially on a on a large turn where you're playing a bunch of cards that have fusion or revealing. You could just make a lot of resources to continuously pay for your cards. It's very it's a uh, it's potentially very good. The ceiling is high, is what I'm essentially saying. I think that makes sense. I mean, with with Briar, obviously you have the most reveals. Um, you have Sonata Arcanics, like you have. You, like you have reveals that exist outside of fusing, which is very interesting to me. Um, I can't remember the other card that I think is also very important. And obviously, I've seen some Briar lists that with Corsham that don't run it. Uh, the one where you reveal a top card of your deck, Rabbling Rampage or whatever. What's is it called? It? Is it Rabbling Rampage? No, Ravenous right. Rabble. Ravenous Rabble. Um, like so, you are revealing a ton of cards. So it does. Uh, it does make sense to me that you would use this on some level. Um, but it, it's weird. 
I think it's a little too difficult to keep him play consistently. I find that with Briar, like as a Briar player, I'm probably every second or third turn I'm revealing a card. Uh, so I don't. It's weird. I don't know how much value you actually get out of it. Uh, but this card's bouncing around. I know people mess around with Earth Briar builds where it is just you are strictly running reveal Briar. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's why this is bouncing around as people are testing with it. It's also interesting to see the week before Pro Tour what bizarre cards are going up in price because that means teams are acquiring a lot of these. It is possible we see Corsham Briar at the Pro Tour uh, based on this fable jumping up thirty dollars. Um, so we'll see. Uh, let's talk about a couple other price movers this week. Uh, Mask of Momentum has gone back up to 130. It's stabilized. Uh, Storm Striders is staying the same at 133. Nothing has really moved to a great deal. Uh, Carrion Husk is now down to 60. I think it is a great time to pick that up. Um, it is very possible. Yeah, it's very possible we see a new Shadow Hero. with this next, uh, you know, I mean, Dynasty, they they kind of bordered it with a uh, light versus shadow battle uh, in the early storylines with like Dorinthia. And then like, obviously, Icelander was like, oh, I saw all this stuff. And it was like a terrible battle. So I wouldn't be surprised if they like started to tease that in Dynasty. That's why I think Hus could be a great pickup here. Um, It'd be an insanely great pickup. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean. I'm I'm gonna probably finally pull the trigger and pick up a uh, carrion husk. It's been a while. I've been thinking about it. Um, Flamescale furnace continues to dive. It's down to seventy four dollars. I think we are going to see all of these newer legendaries be extremely cheap. Other than Crown of Providence, Crown of Providence obviously has a massive demand, and that could be seen um, because. Skullcap continues to drop. Uh, Rainbow Foil Arcane Rising Skullcap will cost you $82 right now. That's about half of what it was six months ago. Um, Isn't it funny how like legendaries are more valuable than fables, especially with newer ones? Yeah. Um, well, there are, uh, it's, there are two legendaries that I think will never be cheaper than they are right now. Ghostly Touch is twenty-four dollars. I do not see Ghostly Touch going below twenty-four dollars. I know people are still trying to figure out how to use it. Um, There are not a lot of illusionists in this game. I think it's entirely possible that we see some sort of weird, wonky illusionist as one of the extra young heroes printed in the upcoming supplemental set. Like, let's not forget that we are about to get four or five new heroes, uh, no matter how they spin it, whether it's a multiplayer format or not, which will cause these cards to suddenly become a huge demand. People see a card, they say, I want to play it. Um, and then the Alluvion Constellus is also $23. It is currently the cheapest equipment legendary. Um, it's still pretty good, too. It is very good. It does have a very strict edge case. Um, but yeah. Absolutely. Eclipse continues to fall $16. Probably a good time to pick that up in case you want to play Young Chain. <laughs> at the pro to have it, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, at the Pro Tour. <laughs> Just to have it. Um, it's interesting. The other card that I am planning on picking up this week, so I'm planning on picking up a Carrion Husk. 
I don't think that this card will immediately see a hero in Dynasty to play with, but Stalagmite at $47 cold foil feels like a no-brainer to me. Oh, and if you're on the uh, lookout for Fabled, Blood of the Chakai is 70 bucks. Yeah. That's super low. Super, super low. Super low, especially as Dynasty will likely have at least one Draconic hero. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That about does it for market updates. Uh, nothing else was really of note this week. I do like to check on some of the more expensive majestics. Um, specifically, I, I like to check on what are currently the big four of expensive. Well, we'll call it the big five of expensive majestics. We have a race face seems to have settled. It's down to $15. It was hovering at 20. It was hovering at 30 at one point. Um, we have the bane of everyone's wallet, Command and Conquer. Uh, let's see, what are you sitting at? I lost my data. Everything was flowing so smoothly. Um, Command and Conquer 75, it's been there for a while. Uh, let's talk about Art of War. It has come down a bit. Uh, you could pick that up for $53 as we speak. It has gone up to as high as 70 this is a card that will be a staple as long as there is a go-wide hero in the meta. Um, so there we have Art of War. I think E-Strike has not... I don't think it's gone anywhere. Uh, it's funny how E-Strike... Uh, yeah. Such a prevalent card in the meta for so long, and then now it's reduced to more of just like a, uh, you know, a ninja low-cost, low-to-the-ground kind of deal, like a Briar thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, uh... If you look at the market price for the first edition Rainbow... First edition Rainbow Foil and Lightning Strike, um, you would think that'd be more than 40 bucks, right? At least. Uh, that might have to do with how few of them there are on the market um, because an unlimited rainbow foil is around $70. Uh, so there's just not a lot of data going on. Um, so that, that one's all over the place. And then the last mythic I think of when I think of Majestic, sorry. Uh, when I think of currently expensive Majestics is Channel Lake Frigid. Um, where are we at, Channel Lake Frigid? I think it's uh, this, between ten to twelve bucks. No, uh, it is. It is at twenty to twenty-five currently. Whoa! Whoa! Wow! Yeah, the reason this card's so expensive right now is because there are three viable decks that run it. Uh, never before have we had three ice heroes that are all good in the format. Um, so I don't know. I need one more for my playset. I don't want to pay twenty bucks for it. <laughs> just find it in a trade right um so that about does it for the market up updates i do have one final piece of news for this episode and what's um, that? it took about seven months but i finally won an armory this week no um, way hell yeah I have finished second in at least 30 armories. I could not always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Uh, but this week I brought it home in a sealed armory. Uh, I just got an absolutely god tier four ball lightning, uh, lightning briar pool. And it got me That's there. That's the way you do it. 
That's why the cookie crumbles. Faced, um, I faced Exhaustion Oldham in the finals. Got him down to one life. I didn't have any outs, and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I better... The, my only out is if I, uh, if I draw my D-React. And it was there. So that was, uh, that was dope. It was right fun. on time. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Yeah, finally shook it off. So, uh, not a lot You want yourself a cold foil uh, Pandakai? I did. I did. I actually uh, sold the one that I bought because this one's more special. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, Yeah, I I, I mean, everything came up Millhouse. Also won the roll for the playmat. It's pretty sick. Oh, nice. That was the uh, Rake the Ember playmat? Yeah. So we're just you nice. know we're high on the Dramai hog over here. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, by the time we speak next week, we will be post protor Lily. Uh, I'm never going to pronounce it correctly, and I'm going to keep trying, and it's going to be a thousand different ways. Maybe we'll get there. Hopefully, we get to uh, watch some uh, some live coverage. You know, I'd like to. Yeah, it's weird to think that we're, uh, as we're recording this, we're about 30 hours from the first event starting because of the time Oh, yeah, actually. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, so this will be sweet. Looking forward to it. The calling's almost sold out. Um, and uh, I think that that about does it for this week. We will see you post-Pro Tour next week. Oh, my God, Matt. We'll have stuff to talk about. And it's hopefully we'll have a working computer. Yeah, right? The future. We'll help dig you out of that crater. (laughs) All right, guys. All right. Uh, Thanks again for listening. This has been episode 23, and we'll see you next week.